Hey, Mark. Hey, Gabe. Uh, we're back. How you doing? We're back. Uh, well, we're kind. We're we're kind of back. We're not I mean, as we, back as we normally are. We're in we're in independent locations. We've never been apart before, but circumstance no. has has drawn us apart rather yeah. than together. People, people don't know this, but we live together in a single apartment normally in a kind of like like one of those weird 80s sitcom situations in which two straight male men in their 30s who both have what appear to be fairly high paying jobs still live together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order for hijinks to occur yeah but unfortunately That's, that that dream is over it's dead know? we had to get separate places yeah um actually um we're staying apart because of disease uh mm-hmm. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the disease that is everywhere. We are way more than six feet apart, and we're uh, we're very far. Apart. Although, yeah, although our our guest who we'll talk about in a second, and mm-hmm. I are actually not that far apart. If we stood outside of our respective apartments and yelled, we could probably hear each other. Um, and but yet, you wouldn't want to get much closer than that. I yeah, even that I'm a little nervous about. I mean, if mm-hmm. I can hear the sound, does do we know? Does the virus can sound carry the virus? Only if sound includes like lots of your spit, I think, or uh-huh. like a lot of a lot of mucus. So I don't know uh-huh. how you yell, but I mean, I, I, well, I'm I do, very, but I'm very well hydrated, which is one of the consequences of always being near a sink. Uh, at this point, uh, yeah, in I my think life, those apparently. those dro- those droplets could spell doom for some. Uh, so just be careful. Uh, but we're taking complete care. We're we're playing it very safe. Uh, on faking it this time, and uh, yep. you know, but I see, I see you guys in, in this little screen, these little boxes. It's, you know, yeah, we're very tiny, but you, you still resemble the people that I know. Um, well, I assure you, uh, another couple of weeks of this, and I will be a husk of my former former self. Yeah. I uh, am breaking. I am not up to it. <laughs> uh, it's only a matter of time before I run into the street and just start grasping at strangers, like rubbing my face against them like a hungry, feral cat in the street. Um, I'm not made for this lifestyle, Gabe. Yeah, that might happen like tomorrow. You think you think that's going to like probably like tomorrow the next day. That'll be the situation. We're just yeah, all going to stay all gonna out of Bushwick. It. All right. That's all I'm saying. Stay out of Bushwick. Well, Unless you want this. I'm just kidding. I'm doing fine. All right. Well, fine. I'm glad everybody's I mean, doing okay. Well, yeah, you so have far. a you have a you have a kid to take care of. I have a little I'm guy. just fostering fostering this cat who is very problematic right now. And, your cat uh, your cat sounds like he's got a pretty good life though. Uh he or she? I don't I don't, she. I don't know. She uh she she has her own little apartment, a mini apartment inside your apartment. We which, set up a little cat studio which she also, in her second bedroom. But get, correct me if I'm wrong. She doesn't come out of it as if she's also sheltering in place. No, it's true. And for the duration. Get her, we're trying to get her reintroduced or to try to, we're trying to socialize her. So that right now I'm looking at it. The bathroom door is open, but she yeah. refuses to leave. Yeah, she's heard. Uh, she's heard the mayor. She's heard the governor. She knows. True. She's like, stop trying to. Have a little hangout, you know, in the park I sh- or whatever. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be saying this probably, and we've talked to her about it, but she has um, 
she's actually been stockpiling very tiny N95 masks <laughs> and hiding them behind her litter box. She thinks that we don't know about it, but it's super uncool. The other night. That's know, super uncool. Not responsible. Yeah, you should you should um you should throw out on the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, I would no. never do that. Take care um, of your cat. Yeah, uh, not my cat. The cat we're borrowing. All right. Um. So we 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 do have a guest though who's been who's been hovering in the corner of our screen, uh, a guest who may be familiar to listeners who's appeared briefly on the show in the past but mm-hmm. has actually at every point been present though silent because he is the editor of this show his name is evan o'neill that's right i, I don't talk well, lots but well you're gonna more. talk a lot tonight welcome evan uh, I might just, you know, self-edit, but we'll see how it goes. You're just going to edit yourself you make it, you completely could, out. You, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll just sound insane, like two people asking questions to someone who's not responding. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe the editor is just the cat in your bathroom. It's a, Whoa. It's a Schrodinger's Whoa. editing cat situation. Yeah, <laughs> right. So if you if you don't... I don't even know how to how to construct the the relevant analogy. I can't do it. That's fine. It it, it seems like we can move past it. Maybe yeah. we'll even cut this out. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? It's not even up to me. Well, the 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 virus situation does not have any direct. We don't have any direct thing to say about that on this show. We're not going to make this show about how this show is your way of interpreting the events transpiring <laughs> in front of you. However, although we, we uh, did events... also we we scrambled we scrambled trying to find like the right coronavirus take. We're like, how do we how do <laughs> right. we like do it just right to like to like get get into relevance? But we came up short. We don't know how to do it. However, our guest has uh, had his work uh, interrupted uh, in a significant way that will I think become even more significant as we go on in the episode. Evan, do you want to talk about uh, what's what's uh, what's yeah, happened to yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, like a lot of people in media, the the virus has made it uh, more uncertain because we already are employed kind of uh, on a case by case basis, and so I was uh, planning on filming uh, a short film in what would have been a month from when we started planning, but almost immediately after my first production meeting, uh, we went into quarantine. So it, uh, it was almost as if de Blasio doing nothing else with his time, which, you know, what a shock <laughs> decided after my production meeting is like, let's shut it down. I make one call a year and this is going to be the one I feel good about it. <laughs> did you like, did he like show you like, he like put a quarantine map up on the, up on the uh, up on the screen, it's like just your production office. I got brought in. There was a uh, a projector from like 1980, the one with the huge bulb <laughs> lamp underneath it, and then just circled my apartment. And he's like, "Let's close it down. We don't feel comfortable about this specific zone." <laughs> and then there's just a picture of you standing on your stoop, looking at all the cameras that are gathered there for some reason. Yeah, you know, I mean, cameras are very popular in Bushwick. Uh, people love graffiti for some reason. Uh, mm, probably yeah. because it increases the property value and you know makes it a, 
almost impossible place for artists to live, ironically. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all a big conspiracy. We People love mm-hmm. Corona conspiracies, so there's another. Yeah, great. We're right on target with this one. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we didn't, so, we didn't really do an introduction. You're a filmmaker uh, as well as, a, as an editor, uh, as well as editing our show. Yes. Uh, in, a in, film director. In full audio. And, do do um, all the things, music videos, uh, documentaries, you know, we're, we're all scrambling. That's filmmaker as an umbrella. You just kind of do all the things until you don't have to anymore, which I'm sure is <laughs> like every other industry. But yeah, so we, uh, I was kind of straddling this, leading up to this project by editing a uh, interesting web series for complex um that is about a hip-hop magician and uh then i got into this situation where i've I've been trying to work towards this short for probably two years on this specific concept um finally felt good about it had what i imagine is almost enough money to to film and Mm -hmm. uh felt like this this was going to be the thing that legitimized me as uh, an independent filmmaker, which seems fake in and of itself. Um, to <laughs> legitimize yourself as a filmmaker that no one wants to pay to make films. That's the, that's the indie ethos, though, right? Like, no one will legitimize me. I will legitimize myself. Yeah. Or I, or I will reject your attempt to legitimize me. Uh, and, and in doing so, lay claim to a higher authenticity. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, it seems uh, dumb. <laughs> I, because uh, while that the, the issue I was battling is that there are lots of, like, the grant process for any of these things are always like, we want to help you get a leg up in the industry. Wait, wait, wait. Can, can, I, can I back us up for a little bit? Like, can we talk about, like, what is the film? Like, what was the inception of the idea? Like, where yeah, did yeah. this thing come from? So the, the concept is uh, it is a teenage heist film. Not, it's mm-hmm. a younger demographic than like a bling ring situation. It's like the main characters are 9 and 11 years old. And uh, do you, uh, are either of you familiar with the like golden horn necklace? Very popular in the Italian-American community? No. Okay. Well, they, no, me neither. They steal a bunch of those. Uh, is their motivation in the film, and it kind of wait? What is the what is the golden horn necklace? It, it's like a, an Italian like emblem. It, it's mm-hmm. literally just like the golden horn of a calf. Uh, I don't really know the entire backstory of it. I just know that mm-hmm. when I was growing up in Philadelphia and South Jersey, it was a very cool thing to have, um, and I did not have one. Uh, for reasons that are more obvious to people on this video chat than people listening. <laughs> I do not resemble an Italian-American. Um, so the, it just seemed like a good thing to try and steal because I also kind of wanted to play with concepts of appropriation and mm-hmm. what the, the icons of like inner-city communities are kind of how they relate to like public school without having to actually shoot in a public school. Um, so it seemed like a good idea. And it came to me while I was working on 
another project that I was trying to shoot in New Orleans um, about a, a group of Mardi Gras performers who perform in blackface. Um, but I couldn't get a grant to shoot that. So they're like, oh, well, we'd love to give you money. This is a really good idea. Uh, actually, I'm, now that I'm explaining this story, Gabe actually knows this from a very specific perspective. Yeah, we're gonna get to that later. I want to. I want to discuss that, but I want to. I want to get to it later. I feel like. I feel like there is a trap being laid for Gabe that we're like we're gonna look back an hour from now and we'll be like, God damn, Gabe walked right into it. I yeah, I didn't even think about that connection at all until right now, which is amazing. Well, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here because uh, I definitely have something to bring to the table on that on, in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so you were trying to make the film and you couldn't get the grant to make the blackface Mardi Gras film. Right. And the biggest uh, statement that I was getting is we're not familiar with, and this is not related to Gabe. After Gabe was involved, I went to a bunch of other places and they're like, oh, we like the idea. It's just that we haven't really seen any of your other work in, with this kind of stylized theme to it. And I was like, well, that's because I'm trying to make it now. <laughs> which is uh, anyone who is applied to some sort of grant, I feel is a commonality that we all share. So I was like, fine, I'll just make this, this other short that I kind of have this idea knocking around and that'll be my first step to becoming a legitimate, illegitimate filmmaker. So the problem being where you're like, I've got this idea for this film. I know how I want to shoot it. I know what it's supposed to look like and everything. Mm -hmm. All I need is the money to put the production together. And they're like, we'd love to give you the money, but we need to see some kind of, you know, validation. Yeah. Yeah. That we're not, that we're not going to just be throwing our money on away, away on someone with an idea. Right. Right. And you're like, no, no, this is the idea. This is the thing that you give me money for, and then I make the thing. Exactly. And then that's the proof. Exactly. And then we're all happy. Right. So it's this, like... And, like, I've been spinning like, my wheels doing, like, music videos and web series and other things like that, and uh, wasn't getting the kind of traction that was necessary to make this kind of project. So I was like, all right, well, fuck it, I need to just bite the bullet and try and figure out how to fund it myself and make the thing on my own. Yeah. Right. That's the way. That is the way. That's the way. That's, that's the whole DIY ethos that we were talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully that's the way, but then, you know, you, you lay this plan and then the entire nation, entire world gets locked down. And it's like, well, is the universe trying to tell me something? <laughs> I'll be fucking pissed if it turns out this is all about your short film. I know. Evan, if it's just like, if, if like, like, no offense, I would love, I really, I really, really want you to make this film, but if it is between you making the film and all of us getting to live our lives normally and nobody dying of this horrifying virus, I'm really sorry, man. Like, I gotta give it, I gotta give it to life returning to normal. Understandable, but I was making it for your birthday. We already covered this, so... (laughs) (laughs) um well okay game on then whoever has to die will die (laughs) i'm glad that your allegiance uh to the world uh dies out at your birthday yeah yeah no it's about look you know 
I'm, this is horrifying. It's so sad and awful. But a birthday's a birthday, man. Yeah. You know, they only come around every so often. It's, it's very true. I feel like that that's the majority of the setup for how, if we're doing a my so-called life approach to this, this storyline. I mean, when you, when you, when we had initially tried to get you to come on like a year ago or so, when we first started like planning episodes for this season, we were like, Evan, why don't you do, why don't you come on? And you were resistant to the idea of doing it. Right. Well, I felt like you had uh, way more famous and successful friends who could speak to all of their, the overcomings that they've had. And also, uh, I don't have a lot of things that I fake in terms of like ex- experientially speaking. Mm-hmm. Well, that well, that's the kick. That's right. That's the kicker because that was like I mean the whole you know the show is you know our line is it's a show where we check our cultural blind spots, make up for past wrongs, and come to terms with the shameful lies we've told. And you were like, well, I don't really do that, and I never. It's not kind of not my thing. And we're like, oh, well, it's like, it's really kind of what the show is, is, is about. Can you, can you not dredge up something? Um, but that's, I think that actually makes you a great guest because like, I want to have more people on who are like, yeah, this isn't a thing for me and you guys are weird. And oh no, I, don't I know, never said like... the weird part. <laughs> I mean, not in front of me. I always, I feel the reason why I am editing on this show and also kind of an extension of this conversation is that I was like, Hey, I have been thinking about editing more audio. Uh, I don't have any experience editing a podcast, but because of that, my rate is very low and you yeah. both, uh, we're interested in the low rate part. Um, well, we all, I should say, you know, before you make it sound, we all actually share profits equally in the show. It's, it's true. A, so it's and it's a third for each of us and a third of nothing is <laughs> is nothing. Exactly. No, I mean Well yeah, and as soon as as soon as you as soon as you offered your services, we we then decided to take no you know, no salary for this job in in, uh, exactly. in solidarity. Like with such a low rate, you decided to <laughs> yeah. the Yeah, person. it seemed like we should all be we should all be on an even playing field here. Yeah, you know, just so I just gave up my salary for the show. In fact, and, you know, uh, uh, Gimlet Media, <laughs> Gimlet Media offered us several hundred thousand dollars to produce for the rights to produce the podcast, but we were like, we've got Evan locked into this rate, <laughs> and if we take your money, we're gonna have to cut him in. So it's, I think the math worked out to where it was better that no one makes anything than that we have to pay you anything at all. Yeah, so. Well, I you mean, know, I'm glad welcome. you made that decision because here we are having mm-hmm. an episode uh, with a guy who is very forthright about the fact that he hasn't heard or watched something because he you know, <laughs> is just trying his best to learn every day. But the thing I like about this, right, is that, you know, well, we, I mean, obviously we've talked about, like, why people fake it and for whatever reason um, this whole time, but... Um, but in in some instances, I would say a lot of instances, in some way, it's about like smoothing the path somehow, right? I think if I fake it, I'm gonna somehow, if not make things easier on oh, myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then like, like it you know, increases the tracks because people 
like there's an acceptance point where people are like, ah, oh, yes, you know this thing. We have a shared cultural touchstone, and this is going to allow things to move forward easily. Right. It's like it's just adding social lubricant to the process. Or just making right. whatever whatever tension or wh- whatever distance there is just, like, disappear, go away. Yeah, but I also you know? feel, A, um, people enjoy telling you about things that you don't know about. So I don't really feel apprehensive about being like, no, I don't know that thing. Tell me more about it. Because usually... It can go one of two ways. You can be like, oh, yes, I know the thing. And then people gloss over all the cool details about why it's interesting because they assume there's a shared, like, point of interest there or knowledge. So just being like, no, I don't know, allows people to geek out. And that seems like a way more efficient way to get the details on the thing for me, which is why it was not a thing that I did because it was just yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to... I mean, did, did this extend... I mean, I, we're going to have your sort of like primal scene that we'll talk about, which is actually like happens to you sort of later in life where you kind of like had a, a moment where this like became really effective on you. But I do want to ask, like when you were like, when you were little, like when you were a kid, this was like, that was still not a thing. Like it wasn't like... Oh, I'm very bad this. at like uh, being social. I'm a t- I was a terribly <laughs> socialized child. Uh, my My parents had to try and sign me up for like friend making groups because I was very interested in like, Oh, well I'll just learn the things by myself and I don't need to like go outside or anything, which is also people make all these like freelancers. I'm already an introvert jerks about uh, Corona. And I'm like, I'm thriving right now, getting a lot of stuff done. (laughs) It's really, you know, it's unfortunate about um, the, the hardships that people are experiencing. But in terms of like the change in my day to day life, I I don't want to go to meetings. I would much rather like do the work at home without any other input. So whatever's going on outside the walls, that's, that's terrible. But inside your, I'm your the walls of your apartment, man, it's, it's You're going to come out stronger than ever. It, it's true. I, you know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm doing a, my daily, my daily calisthenics mentally, it's great. I'm very well. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that that you like. You're. You're like. I'm sure. You, you, I, it sounds like you probably like learned a lot of stuff on your own, and that probably provided you with like a little bit more. You know, like a lot of people just like are like scraping to like know any know all the cool stuff. Not you know, but like if a you were not that you know you were like a little bit antisocial of a kid. And B, you were kind of like, I want to learn my own stuff. It probably made it a little easier for you to feel that confidence. Just be like, you know, I got, I got my own stuff. It's cool. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't I, know I what everybody cool else stuff. is selling. Other you know? people know cool stuff. So that's why I'm like, yeah. I would love to tell you about the things that I've watched. And I think that you will be just excited to tell me about things that you have watched and I have not experienced. So why would I get in the way of that by trying to be cool? Because also it's like, that is just not going to be a point we get to. No one's going to walk away from the conversation and be like, that guy, he's cool. But they will be like, he knows a lot about that very specific, uh, I don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! episode. <laughs> I've never but, actually watched Yu-Gi-Oh! But that's the thing that, that came came to mind. Wow. So all, well, you've, look how you, you've been in this uh, in the orbit, the sort of 
of fakery mere minutes and you're already like yeah i know about Yu-Gi-Oh. you don't know shit about you i don't I, so I, yeah i feel like we're poisoning you uh <laughs> and, that, and that you're gonna come out of this a worse person uh, you're learning I mean, bad as long habits as I come out of it it's fine <laughs> so, um, so do you do you want uh, to talk wait, to wait, us about I, I'm, oh, go I'm, ahead. I'm interested in this in the kind of personality that like it seems to me that that kind of attitude you know there's like, some kind of like assumptions some kind of like social assumptions that come along with it right like what do you, you mean? can't be a well i don't think you can be a suspicious person and and have that kind i mean are you a suspicious person what do you mean by a suspicious person? Well, I think about it this way, right? I know that like when I approach most sort of initial social interactions, it's like up to me approaching an unknown species of animal all the time. I'm like, I don't know if this person is mean or aggressive or defensive or if they're social and nice. I don't know if they are going to do me harm or if all of their motivations are forthright so i just have to kind of like treat whoever this new person is as the subject of a very subtle kind of investigation where i try to feel out if they're like what their deal is and you know if i should just flee or continue the interaction uh as it's as it's well, cause, going because the assumption is that you you want them to like you or you you hope that you want will want them to like you well that's one side of it but the other side of it is like really is really about sort of and maybe this is just me is about just sort of suspicion of everyone and everything that i don't already know like i'm not suspicious of you guys because i know you pretty well both of you um you know but if i were like to meet a new person at a party and I end up engaging them in conversation for any length of time. It's always like, all right, what's your deal? Are you like trying to take my money? What, what's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, but the other side of that could be like, are you the most interesting person I've ever met? And I need to I'll, be friends I'll with have you. To figure, I'll have to figure that out later. You have to prioritize, huh. right? Because the, the most interesting person you've ever met could also be a stone cold psychopath. Um, Why is it a stone? You know, yeah. I mean, I guess I just... And, like, all I can do in this specific instance is kind of think about what was the experience like when I met both of you um, Mm -hmm. and how I approached it. And I'm not 100% sure, Mark, on when we first hung out. I feel like it was an animal collective listening party. Oh, that one on the island? Yeah. Which was yeah. not actually an island. It was in Manhattan, and it was like a it bridge. Felt like an island. Yeah. Um, was the island? Yeah. Was the island just Manhattan? Yes, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we were not yeah. like flown to an animal collective island or anything for a listen. It felt time. like it felt like an island. I didn't want to. Yeah, I should. It was not exotic. I should say that. Um, it was a very it was like it a was trash a depot that had an amphitheater in it or something. It had. It had no business hosting a listening party. It was impossible to hear the music. Uh, it was so loud that you couldn't hear it. Right. Um, that may have been it, it but it was something pitchfork related. Yeah, it was probably a pitchfork related thing. But I, I don't know. I just felt like we just kind of talk shit. I feel like that is like the the foundation of most relationships in my life. Are just like, all right, you know. 
shoot the shit for long enough and see if it just keeps going. And here we are. Look at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bit never ended. Yeah, it's just you know, I love I love a callback, not in a yeah. you know physical sense, but like running joke. Yeah. yeah. This is where I explain all the things that I say with an unnecessary level of clarity. Yeah. No, keep going. I'm so interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I mean, I mean, I, I agree. Like, that is the best. Like, that's way better than someone to whom you have, like, initially striven to prove how awesome you are. Mm-hmm. That you're on their level or something. Or that you know everything about whatever they know about. Or you have something that you can provide for them. And then every time you meet them, it's like a, some kind of pissing contest where you're mm-hmm. like... You know, they're yeah. like, so what What have you been listening to? And you're like, ah, all these cool things well, meeting, that you've definitely never someone, heard of. Right. Like meeting someone in a condition of absurdity is like a good way to like break down all of that stuff. Like when you meet someone in the middle of an absurd situation, mm-hmm. like all of the bullshit gets cleared away really fast. When right. You just kind of like look at someone, you're like. This is ridiculous, right? Like, this situation is ridiculous. We we both understand that, right? And that's a way to kind of, like, find sympathy and understanding very quickly. Yeah. Well, because you're agreeing that you have the same kind of approach to a situation like that, right? Yeah. That's where you're finding the common ground, yeah. Yeah, but I also... I, I was going to say, but then also comparing that with, like, Gabe and I, we were over your house for... A, dinner party situation and we were just watching basketball and again shooting the shit in a way where it was like oh he knows things about things that I don't know I will listen to this conversation and try to engage mm-hmm. so yeah, I feel was, like for I'm me, for my me it was level definitely like I don't know enough about basketball right now like I, I'm a basketball fan and I, right. and I like used to watch it a lot but I'm in this situation where my my experience of that situation was like, oh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm fine. I know I know how to talk about. I can right. watch a game with somebody. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to like prove that I know how every team is doing this season. Um, but for me, but I, I mean, it was, again, it's like, no, go ahead. Mark. That was a, that was a Sixers game, I think. Yeah. Um, and I was and I had wanted you two to meet for a while, because first of all, I was like, there's a there's like a Philly connection. And mm-hmm. then the other thing was that was that um, Gabe, you were at that time in a position to hire editors and directors, and I mm-hmm. was like, "Evans, an editor and a director. These two should meet." Um, uh oh. And yeah, that's right. I engineered it all. <laughs> um, uh, and I was like, and then lo and behold, it worked because uh, because you guys ended up working together on some stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was that was it was all my Machiavellian. Uh, I, I also just thought you guys would like each other as well and get along. So, so you're just trying to break me down so I would edit this podcast for free. Eighteen <laughs> yeah, years in was, the future. It's a long game. <laughs> yeah, four years in advance. I was planning it all out. That is that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, good yeah. congratulations, you did it. Thanks. All right. Anyway, good talking to you guys. Uh, my my job here is done. See ya. Podcast over. So, but what I wanted to say, like, what it seemed like, what all of this was kind of like, to me leading up to, is it seems like you're kind of like that kind of forthrightness, right? It sort of implies that you expect the same, or you just assume that that you'll be met with a similar forthrightness from other people. Um, 
No. I mean, I think that, I guess I don't think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe I am assuming that, yeah. I think that asking questions will create a situation where people will provide information, which is what I'm mm-hmm. interested in. I guess I've never really thought about whether or not they will ask me. Mm-hmm. But that seems kind of how conversations work. And I guess if they weren't interested in asking me anything, then that would be the end of the conversation. And I'd, you know, be able to read the room there, hopefully. Right. One hopes. Um, So maybe this is how you awkwardly tell me that I should probably stop uh, editing the podcast and hanging out. Evan, (laughs) I've been trying to, I've been trying to kind of get you to get the message. Yeah for like a year and a half now. Well, now I've finally realized it just by talking it out. And my feelings aren't hurt. I think this is probably not the most tasteful way to go about it now that I have to relive this in the edit, but it's fine. It's, the ev- it's, a, little, we need it's a little weird and for then- our brand also, like just to do this as a whole episode, <laughs> just for this. We're all about uh, the drama from here on out. Um, you guys had to make a strong you- pivot, and uh, this is it. Gabe is going to fire someone on the next podcast. <laughs> uh, someone he has no, who actually no authority to fire at all. Yeah. Someone um, I don't even know. Maybe. Just, just <laughs> They'll just get an email that says, Mr. Boylan wants to talk to you on Google Hangouts. Please record your own audio. Right. <laughs> and then send it to us. Yeah. If you do not have a microphone, one will be provided for you. And then I please send it back. One for Gabe. I had to mail Gabe a microphone. Well, I, I appreciate how desperate things are. It felt, yeah. it felt so weird to walk into. I think the the lady even said when I was like at the shipping place, and she was like, "Where's this going?" I think I said to my friend Gabe's house, <laughs> and she was like, "Oh." <laughs> she would be like, "Oh yeah, Gabe's house." She's like, "Don't you guys live close?" And she's like, "But not as close as Evan lives. He's right down the street." And you're like, "Wow, yeah, you're well informed." <laughs> Well, we all we live on Sesame Street. Um, okay, so um, so you in in trying to set all this up, like we had, um, and you were like, no, 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 I just I don't have that kind of primal scene. That's not that's not how I go about things. Um, and then I had asked, like, well, is there a time when you? you or i'll ask again like well if if you're always kind of if you're just mode is just like always just be honest and 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 be upfront. is there a time when you really wish you hadn't done that when you, when in retrospect it's clear if you had been a little bit let not like bald face lied but massage the truth a little bit well i think it also came out of when we were talking about what to do for this episode i had been thinking just by nature of editing all the past ones uh, listening to everyone else's uh, informed approaches on writing or acting. And I was like, man, they're all just like, even though they are saying that they're catching themselves in lies, still very informed um, and providing lots of information, um, which made me think about kind of how I've moved in my career and, um, and then, yeah, did make me think about the fact that maybe being honest about 
uh, my skill set was probably what caused a, a few dark years for me uh, in in trying to move forward in in making video content. Because when I had I left, I was working when we met each other. I was working at Pitchfork, and I was there for five years. And in 2013, uh, I felt I'd learned all that I could learn from that fine establishment and uh, went to, to the fader where I was, I was going to head up their, their video department um, and then quickly realized that they uh, sucked and I needed to go elsewhere and then kind of stumbled through five other jobs who would either we'd hit a wall because I would be asking questions and they were like, just, you know, you're supposed to know these things. Don't ask questions, even though it's like still a learning process. You don't have all of the information at any given job that you're going to need to do that job. I hope. Hopefully this isn't where I find out that truth also, because I've been doing it all wrong. You're, you're supposed to know everything going into it. Yeah. So uh, asking questions is bad as a professional and you shouldn't do it. And that's how you become president. And <laughs> I, yeah, so I got fired a bunch, which is uh, not chill to say the least. Um, I mean, I, you know, my, my first question about that is like, do you think in those circumstances that the people who you were asking, did they know the answers to those questions? No, but they definitely wanted me to know the answers. Um, and also be excited about knowing the answers, yeah. um, which maybe is like a, an authority issue, but I think it's mostly just, uh, they didn't want to worry about it. And I think right. that while I am confident in the fact that even if I don't know a thing, I'm very well practiced at figuring it out. You know, like editing this show. Um, mm -hmm. But that's still not a thing that anyone wants to hear because then they have to be concerned about the fact that their project is going to explode. So, like, they're you're going to a con into a like a a thing, and they're like, "Hey, can you do this thing?" And you're like, "No, uh, but I can figure it out." And right? They're like, "Well, like, do you think it'll work?" And you're like, "Well, I don't know." I'll have to investigate. Yeah. And I mean, right. it also depends on like what the level of thing that I don't know is. There are lots of things where I was like, I've not done that before, but I'm sure that we can figure out how to do it. And it's not that much of a lateral move from other things that I've done or there are things where I'm like, yeah, video chat. I have no idea how like to stream this back when people didn't stream video like very easily. Mm -hmm. And it was a thing that you had to actually figure out or hire someone with a huge rig to come into your office and do um, which weirdly makes me feel very dated to be like back when there weren't streaming videos. <laughs> no, that's where we are. Um, if we wanted to record this podcast like ten years ago, like and it'd have to be union guys working in those vans, right? Running cable inside and out, right? Probably block off a street. I don't know why, but you just have to do it for coffee breaks. For coffee breaks, because it's right. union, so. Sorry, Gabe. But this I, is. I but this, no, no. I mean, I just want to say I think this is really interesting because I think that like what this this sounds like a lot of 
a lot of corporate or office environments where things are dysfunctional because I think that the way it's supposed to work is that you want somebody who's curious and you want somebody who knows some things and has the like confidence to like be able to learn stuff either from other people on staff or on their own or whatever. And having this thing where it's like, oh, you don't know how to do this incredibly complex thing that I know nothing about um, on your own yet is a real failure of a kind of like structure. You know, like I think that like the best workplaces are where that's, you know, embraced to to an extent. Like you don't want somebody who's like, well, I don't know how to do it and I'm never going to learn. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you want somebody who's like, I don't know how to do it, but I have I know these little bits of it. And I know some friends I can ask. And do you guys know anything about that? And they're right. like, no. Well, I think it's like, also right, like, well, like, let's figure it out together. Um, I think that there's you know, the, the concept of like being in a technological industry is kind of wasted on video to a large degree where people don't realize that like it is actual R&D that you're like, we have to figure out how to make this work. Um, especially when people were making the pivot to video at the beginning of the decade and didn't understand how they could apply the video framework to their print journalism sites or print online. So it was like, oh, we need you to figure out how to do an entire web series on the budget of just paying one employee. And I was like, I'm like, I'm scrappy. I can figure out a lot of things, but A, that's not going to work. B, we need more budget and we need more time to figure these things out. Which, after the fact, I learned that if you just lie about it and then just keep increasing the price, seems like people are way more into that process than you being up front and being like, well, I think it might cost more, but I'm not sure yet. Right. You got to bait yeah, people I... into, this, into the sunk cost fallacy, right? Yeah. You got to like, you know, you once you get them hooked on a, they're like, well, we've already put X amount of money into this. And Evan is... Uh, kind of like a mad scientist in there like no one knows what he's doing but he keeps saying something's going to come out i mean we either pull the plug and get nothing for our money or we throw him another i understand that your rates are what you, you get you get uh ten thousand dollars a day like that's just to show up yeah right? exactly um we either keep paying his insane day rate or uh or 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 you know we, as we have to do it yeah no um, it's usually it's a hostage situation where it's like look I'm trying to buy my second summer home uh, and we need to just keep funneling money into this one camera project that we need to stream online. Yeah. And that is why you are paying my shell company and not me. I keep trying to explain this to you. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how uh, that was my introduction to the film industry. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you I, feel I still... like you feel like that you should have bullshitted a bit more and like come up and bit and like acted like all this stuff wasn't it's you know and acted like it wasn't because what you know is that everybody is just trying to figure this shit out on the fly anyway um but they're just telling their bosses no no no, no we know how to do this we know how to do this and then going back to the lab and being like whoa we need to figure out how to do this um, instead of being like, we don't know how to do this, but I'm pretty sure we can figure it out. Like you should have done more of the. I don't. It's interesting because like my experience at Pitchfork, a lot of it was 
we can figure out how this is going to work from my level up and then mm-hmm. my level below it was like running around trying to put out fires and we're like we have no idea and like slowly figuring out how it would work and i think that that is just like the cornerstone of capitalism <laughs> so yeah i think that that is probably a better way to do it but i also have experience like just people being under less stress and given the space to say i don't know and figure it out comes with a better end result Mm. so there's a creative payoff for just being upfront about i think that it it makes for better content if people are like oh well you know what we're shooting today we know all the ins and outs of what we're shooting and we're not just pissing in the wind so if there is a problem which there undoubtedly will be we know it well enough to figure it out instead of just trying to take shortcuts and then things getting pushed back and being in breach of delivering on contracts and then lawyers yelling at you yeah yeah i mean i think that i think that 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 definitely like has proven to be true like where i work now and right now there's been a lot of trying to figure out how to shoot video content without a studio mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. locations mm-hmm. without you know having a camera on another person because you can't be in a room with another person mm-hmm. and it's actually fostered a tremendous amount of creativity from just being like does anybody know how to do this yeah everybody's like nope like let's all just put our brains to it and it's it's actually like it's 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 gone really fast, you know, cause it has to, mm-hmm. but it's also like, it didn't have to happen overnight in which case I, you know, everybody would be fired, I guess. Like it would just be like over, <laughs> you know, like everybody was like, well, we have to figure this out. So we had to give ourselves some time. Right. And I mean, there's still a sense of urgency yeah. that you need to figure out the thing, but it's like the understanding that we're all trying to figure it out instead of the assumption that you know, the answer and you're wasting people's time goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, in 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 the current moment for for us, having figured it out over a little bit of time means that we've got a bunch of techniques now that are coming together in videos that look pretty cool and are actually like doing the work that we need them to do in a way that is like innovative and might actually may, probably will help us a lot whenever we go back to doing stuff in the regular way. Which uh, um, this might throw a wrench in the episode. But I'm just thinking about it now that the purpose of like saying we want you to apply for grant money. No, we want to see the thing that you made when you figured it out means that you had time to actually R&D the project and you're presenting your best foot forward, perhaps. We can cut this and, you know, put it on the end as a realization. (laughs) It's a real nice closer. but Yeah, but like, I don't know. You're giving them a little too much credit, right? Is that like they're going to like... Oh, yeah, for sure. But I'm also just thinking about the process and like, I definitely will go into this whenever I go into it and have very much thought about every single aspect because A, it's like, what else am I doing? I had the time. And because of all of the troubleshooting that I've done leading up to it for the past two years. Yeah, Yeah. I know. But like, I I, like I get it. Like and there's certain situations where like you finish something and you look back and you're like, you know, if I hadn't faced 
if I hadn't had to get around X or Y obstacle mm-hmm. or to like invent something because the thing that I thought was going to work didn't work, mm-hmm. then I never would have gotten the thing that I got in the end. It just it was it's impossible that it ever would have. I mean, like, you know, that's what happened with, you know, um, Christine, uh, Gabe's Gabe's wife and I, we, we co-wrote uh, a little book together. Yeah. Um, and our, our friend Chris did the um, images for it. And that only came together because we went through this hilarious cycle because we thought we were going to write an essay together. And we just went through this hilarious cycle of rejections where, like, people had, like, magazines and and journals and, and other and like websites and stuff had already accepted ideas that were kind of close to our idea, but were in another way, 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 way different. And then eventually I just got frustrated and was like, we just need to put this out ourselves. Right. Like we can't do it. And then we were like, how do we put a book out? And we did some stuff that was like clearly a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, we'll make hand make chat books. And so we went to a, um, God, Center for Book Arts, who and they're who are great people. They're really awesome. Like the the fact that that place exists is fucking incredible. And like, geez, I really hope they come out the other end of this thing because they're just kind of a magical place. But they had like a chat book making workshop, like learning how to make your own chat books. Mm-hmm. We were maybe nine minutes into it, and we were like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, I think that 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 process is very important and kind of instrumental in figuring like you don't, eh, I was going to say you don't get the money when you need it, even though that definitely is not real at all. But in this kind of like germination period or whatever the hell it is that I'm in, um, I think that being able to figure out how to do things for cheap and I guess this is also you know why the DIY ethos is so so important is just that you figure it out you you make the thing that you want to make you also don't have to worry about I mean I don't know what it's like to win a grant but I assume there is some input in some capacity one way or another um, mm-hmm. in terms of what the final product is so not Man, having- now now that I'm thinking about this we did this episode all wrong like we should have brought you on and been like and here we have um, recent Stiegelman Grant winner Evan <laughs> O'Neill on the show, and then you can just sort of talk up like all the work you've done after winning the prestigious Stiegelman Grant, yeah, which is fictional. Well, and you know, then, and then this can be like evidence for the real grant that you apply for that you've you know done it. So. You know that's that that really is a different podcast. And then like we have a call in from Mr. Spiegelman. Yeah, <laughs> that's like just I, I think that might meet the legal definition of fraud. Um, <laughs> but you know, I you know I'm making do. this short is about uh, a child heist. So why not then also do it's research? You have to actually right. figure out how to defraud someone in order to right. make a movie about it. That's how it right. works. Steal, the, steal the, the movie to make the movie about stealing. Yes. As the feds are hauling you off, you're like, 
no, this is part of the movie. Yeah, no. You don't get it. It's very meta. You'll be standing uh-huh. in the street with a like, VHS recorder while I'm being carted yeah. off. It'll be like right. a Larry Flint movie. It'll be great. Yeah, perfect. Um, uh, I mean, th- this does, I, I feel like this does bring me to talk about when Evan, when I brought you into the office at my old employer. And, um, you know, my experience of it was that I was being told over and over again, well, we really want to work with all these established filmmakers, uh, but they're really expensive. Mm. They're getting huge offers from Netflix and all these other places. And, you know, we want to work with the, the we want to work with today's, you know, or sorry, tomorrow's, you know, like rising stars. We want to like grab people right at the beginning. And the subtext of that, of course, is like because they're cheap. Yes, like, very and because, cheap. And because, and because we're cheap. And, and like, but at the same time, you know, what I what I came up against and I was like, oh, Evan is perfect. Like he's got a bunch of different experience. He's got a great idea and he's like mapped it out. And, you know, that just needs to be like kind of shaped a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a whole team here who can like help with production. We have a bunch of people who can give notes. Like that's how these things work. And yeah, it was really sold. Coming, it sounded great. Yeah. I mean, I kept coming up against this. Not just with you, actually, in a few circumstances where it would be people who just like, I would bring them up in a meeting and then, you know, sort of lay out the whole thing and they'd be like, all right, well, like, where's their, where's their first film? And it's exactly what you're talking about. And I'd be like, no, this is their first film. This is what we want to do, isn't it? Like, we want someone's unique, originary vision and we want to bring it to life. No, Gabe is very like, much responsible like, for yeah, my but Who have they worked with? And it's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, like this is it. Like, this is how we do it. Um, you know, and then like a lot of those people um, subsequently went and did those projects like other places. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, God damn it. Like, should I bring this up? You know, <laughs> like, and I did. You definitely want to be the but, guy who's like, hey, I told you. You should have listened to me. <laughs> Right. Oh, 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 look what I found, guys. A little announcement that the New York Times hired this filmmaker to do this film series that you rejected. Isn't that funny? Uh, so weird. Yes, yeah, super weird. It feels like it happened before. Oh, wait, it did. <laughs> uh, in any case, um, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, I tried to be as honest with you about that as possible, but I, I am curious, like, what your experience with that was. Um, especially, like, I think... I think you met with a couple of other people at the company. We don't have to talk about the company name. Right. Right. No, I mean, after uh, the months of crippling depression, I found someone who actually was, uh, I think she was a freelance producer there. Yeah. And she brought the idea back up and then they were into it again. But then there was like some sort of beef because an outside producer brought it up and like the producer who wasn't into it before was like, Oh, well I already said no, but then everyone's saying yes. And now this, and I was, it was uh, a lot. So she was like, you should just do it on your own. And (laughs) you're like, I didn't need you to tell me that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well then, I mean, it was interesting because it was a little bit of a longer process after that initial meeting with her. She set me up with, Oh, uh, now might be a good time to take a break because my tacos are here. Okay. Let's take a break. We're, we're an hour in, but we will take a break. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be right back. 
So Evan, you were telling us about uh, what what this independent producer was telling you about your project, how they right. were having internal problems getting it through, although they liked it, and then took it to other people. Uh, took it to other people. Went to again. Like this is probably the biggest uh, grant run I had gone on, but just kept getting rejections. And then the producer kind of. We just had to sit down and the conversation was like, look, this is a good idea, um, but it's just not going to get made unless you have other work to show before this project. Um, so you should probably just make something else and then come back to this. And uh, so that was probably sp- spring of last year at some point or maybe maybe a little bit before that and uh yeah so so here we are it's kind of i just took a bunch of editing projects to build up build up the resources and now hopefully now is the time what not now maybe five you know <laughs> right, <soon>. two months <laughs> will be the time hopefully so you have like you have like everything you've got like it's you got a cast you've got well i crew. i mean not not everything because those kind of like the cast things are schedule dependent and no one's going to block off like a for sure we're going to do this film if another better paying project comes along but i have i've done some light casting uh i have the dp i have uh the the whole like production team in place so all the main points are there and then a couple of actors that i'm talking to so really it was like we had entered the actual pre-production process where we were going to get permits and talking to the city and doing all those things. So it'll happen uh, as long as it'll happen if we go back to work in like the next two months. So, right. If we have a, if we have a society to go back to right afterwards, that society will include your film. Yeah. I wouldn't um, want to live in any other society. No, I can't. I, I I can't believe I've been living in one thus far. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's been missing something. It's because uh, certain entities that will not be named set me up for failure, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna prove them wrong. That's right. Um, I mean, when when it's all over, like when, once it's made, do you feel like that will feel like a do you feel like you will experience the sensation of legitimation? No, not at all. I feel like really I'm just going to like make it for myself. And then when people are like, well, what have you done? I can be like, I have this thing. And then they'll at least be like, well, you won't waste all of our money. Right. <laughs> I right. feel like that's probably the most optimistic goal I can have is that people will be like, okay, fine. You can have some money. We know that you can do a thing, but like, right? We're not. We're not going to give you money, and then you're, we're going to get a phone call being like, "Ah, I lost the camera in a river." Or something <laughs> right. like that. I mean, it is an underwater odyssey, so you know it's bound to happen. But yeah, uh, I think that it's it's going to be. I mean, when I was talking to uh, one of the, I guess she's the supervising producer about the project and we were going through kind of what my my aim is 
she was like, oh, so you want to do the festival circuit and, like, all this? And I was like, festivals would be nice. Uh, but I also am not putting a lot of stock in the fact that that is going to be any more promising than asking for grants in the first place. So it's really just, mm -hmm. like, if someone asks for it, it'll be a thing and just try and like use it as a stepping stone. And also I think it's a dope story that is worth being told and I think it'll be cool to share. Hell yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's the kind of inspiring confidence that I wish I had in the many years where I was uh BSing my way through lots of conversations and trying to prove that I was cool. <laughs> It's the um, kind of confidence I wish I had on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, sure. Right? Yeah, where I'm now. just like, where I'm like, here's a thing. And then they're like, someone's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I know, it's only okay. I mean, I feel like that is kind of the straightforwardness that you bring to every conversation you have with me. We're like, huzzah, <laughs> it's okay, whatever. Well, there's no point in lying to you, Evan. You're just going to keep giving me the truth back. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get that, that like feed loop, that feedback loop of, uh, of, uh, of deception. Yeah. I'm sorry. So what's what's it, the point? I guess I might as well just, you know, be straightforward. I make for, you know, very short conversations. Cause I'm just like, just give me the facts as is proof by, you know, the length of this episode. I know. Well, we spent <laughs> hours in my apartment sitting there staring at each other saying nothing because we got <laughs> it all out of the way in the first 10 minutes. But like, you know, you brought over a six pack, so we got to, you gotta drink work that. Through that. Yeah, I'm just, I was just preparing you for the feral cat that lives in your bathroom that like doesn't want to interact at all. You know, I will say this is off topic, but like, so, you know, when we brought her into the apartment, she was very, um, she just hid, and she like liked being petted, but she would not come out, and she still won't come out. She won't come out of that bathroom, but she was like, you know, wedged under our stairs or whatever, and um, and she had like runny nose and stuff. And maybe I she was, has like, a drug problem. What's that? I said maybe yeah, your cat has true. a drug problem. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to go out and figure out how to cop heroin. And then... Uh, tiny cat know, doses. Yeah. Just like a tiny little... It's like... I mean, do you mind bumping it? Like, I'll get you a tiny little cat straw, like a little cocktail or stirrer straw that she can snort it. Through. It sounds um, adorable. And... Um, we yeah, we were worried because she wasn't eating. She wasn't really using the litter box that much, and we were worried. So I was emailing the thing, and I and I when I emailed the agency, I made the mistake of referring to her as semi-feral, and they were so offended. They were like, "We would never drop off a feral cat as a foster." To the point where I had to apologize. I had to be like, oh, look, we're just really worried. And I did not mean to offend, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I'm just saying, watch the loose talk. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Keep it honest. I didn't mean to call your cat uh, an addict. It's probably just Thank like you. tiny IBS or something. And she's just... <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> um, uh... Okay, well, is that the note we're going like out on? The tiny uh, IBS that, yeah, is tiny how we're IBS. Oh, you want to? Sorry, do you, would you like to say something inspiring to the people? No, that's all I got, really. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, Evan, thank you so much for coming. I, yeah, uh, I, I know. Even though you're kind of always here, I know that people can keep a lookout for your short film, Tiny IBS, and it's it's coming soon. Uh, 
to to a to a festival in a theater. Just and wait until you, you see about your poster anything, artwork. It's you know? gonna be great. <laughs> um, great, awesome. Well, All look, right. everybody, stay safe and stay at home. And if you're anything like me, you know, continue to remind some of the older people in your life that they also need to stay indoors and stay safe and all of that. Um, yeah. yeah. Take yeah, care. The two of, of you stay everyone. safe too. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone take care. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, all right. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will yeah. talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks Bye-bye. for having me, guys. Bye.